0: Disenfranchised from everything. Oh, well, I fall up and I fall down. I was
1: born. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. Where are we today, Dad? Make sure you say it loud and clear so that everyone can hear it because it's important. We
2: are at Bell Works in Homedale, New
1: Jersey. Now, this used to be Bell Labs, is that correct?
2: At one time, this was a very historic place. A lot of uh, electronic developments took place here in our own Homedale, New Jersey, or within the uh, Bell Laboratories. Uh, Scattered throughout New Jersey
1: Also true Now you can also get a pizza A margarita <laughs>
2: That's right
1: And watch people do ballet performance In the front area While also uh, I mean And Ming Chen just bounces around this building I mean I'm pretty sure right. He is the amazing Spider-Man of this place What floor is he on? Who knows? Is that him? <laughs> Everybody right. gets one That's it. <laughs> 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 Behind the ones and twos of course Who else could it be? Big Kahuna in the building
0: Ah what's going on man? How you doing?
1: Very mellow Kahuna today I'm not uh, Yeah we, uh, we, He's on downers <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, let, me, let me
1: rephrase. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Yeah. Can that energy, baby, all right? This is magic. <laughs> we got podcast magic here. We are at a shared universe podcast studio, no longer in Eaton Town. We are exclusively home del. We're, we're high society gals That's now, sure. Dad. You're right?
0: moving on up, moving uh, to on the, up. To the east side.
1: We are uh, Samantha and Carrie of Sex and the City, just enjoying a <laughs> couple cosmopolitans and figuring out how to make our way in this crazy world. But... Uh, I'm excited real quick. Just want to say one thing. This episode's going to come out while I'm in the great state of Texas. I'll be at Sunset uh, Strip Comedy Room. Very excited about that. Myself, Carmen Lynch, who I like a lot, have not got to work with her, and Paul Versey, who's a great guy. And just uh, Honestly, Paul Versey is one of the first comics I ever got to watch tape a special, and that was pretty cool because I wound up on Comedy Central about six months afterwards, and you're like, holy crap, I was in that room. That's pretty cool. So I'm excited about that, and thank you, of course, to my good buddy Joe Conti. Uh, He put together a show over at uh, Dojo Comedy in Morris Plains. Had a great time on that one. Barely made it on time. (laughs) Absolutely barely made it on time. But you know what was a good feeling? Founding losers in the crowd again. This is becoming a thing. All right? So if you're a founding loser, that means you joined our Patreon. You can do so for as little as $3 a month or as much as $5 a month. Shit, you want to give me more than that? I'm going to take it. All right. (laughs) I got a brand new Kia Soul I got to pay for. Help me out here, folks. (laughs) Um. But I will say that, man, it is such a great feeling to have uh, the Patreon listeners in the crowd. Having podcast listeners in the crowd is great. Having the Patreon people that are, tr- you know, just diehards, and of course, by the way, one of them was good old Nick Franco.
0: Ah, oh, the man, the myth, the legend. He
1: is that he is. Uh, I want to say he's like the. The John Adams of the founding losers, if you will, absolutely a respectable <laughs> Sorry, there man. You go. His opinion must be listened to carefully. <laughs> Highly intelligent and well, well respected. Oh yeah, and also uh, Charlie Curcio, who uh, I believe uh, uh, it might be my first friend I ever made in life, who's a, a big supporter of the show. He's got his brother-in-law listening uh, almost every single week now too, which is pretty cool. Okay. So slowly, guys. All right, we're like we're a little bit like a tumor. All right, we're gonna grow on you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I kind of thought
2: maybe like a ripple in the lake that can, 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 continues to grow outward. But uh,
1: yeah, tumor is good too. We'll stick with that one, man. But uh, if you guys want to join up, you get the exclusive episode uh, at the end of the month. And that's always going to be uh, Patreon only. You want to check us out over on the YouTube. I got a bunch of content going up there as well. There's some stand-up stuff going on too, man. It's, it's coming back here. I don't know. They're talking about some crazy stuff. We're going to figure it all out. But we got something huge cooking that the three people in this room have had meetings about coming up in September. So please, please, please. I was in the room for that meeting. Keep your uh, ear down to the railroad tracks because it's a coming. All right. Uh, Very excited about this particular episode here. So we're going to dive right into it. Kahuna, on this show, Mm -hmm. we've covered some legends in a certain field of aviation, right? Yeah, we have. I would say so. Uh, Off the top of your head, who can you remember? Uh, Amelia Earhart, for one. She's the best. Yeah. All right. Good old Chuck Lindbergh, Charlie Lindbergh. And right.
0: his son, technically.
1: And it's correct. Right, there you oof, go. Brutal. Big part I of mean, his Where's The lie. Big part of <laughs> his right. life story. Absolutely. And then also, we've covered a couple other things in aviation in general. So, a couple of, uh, we did, you know, obviously uh, the, the. Homer Indian Hickam, bird. right?
0: We did, uh, not Homer Hickam. We did uh, the, the scientist that inspired him. I forgot. Gus I can... Grissom? No, not. Ju- it
1: was a. Uh... Rocketman. Rocketman. German. That worked with a. Oh, uh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Werner von Braun. Yeah, there we go. That's (laughs) one guy we're talking about. I mean,
0: different form of aviation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And we also covered Jack Parsons, too, is another chaotic kind of a guy. This guy is. I mean, what a character! There's no way, and of course, there's going to be an Animaniacs reference in here at the very end for you, Kahuna. So we're happy about that. He's <laughs> so, smiling already. Look at that. And no one, the people who get this joke will really appreciate it, Dad. But with the new monitors that are set up at the end of the table, when I'm looking at Kahuna, it looks like Kilroy was here. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but this one's great, yeah, man. This,
2: this is a, this is a good one. And once again, if uh, you have a whole idea or a concept named after you, uh, you're uh, you're legendary. You're you are started the craze. I'm well,
1: legendary say, or infamous? Well, he's got that both thing going on, man. And I'll say this too: he is, uh, without a doubt, he's going to enter Emperor Norton territory. I would say, in terms of what the you hell. You've
0: just you you you're setting me up for like great work here because you're already like you're referencing Edward we're referencing he's Emperor Norton. We're we've, we're talking about losers. I'm I'm just hyped for this one. Who is this?
1: Well, he's a good guy, man. Uh, The
0: pilot of the Hindenburg?
1: He's, oh, even... (laughs) (laughs) That guy, I don't think we'd be able to do the episode on. We covered the Hindenburg, though, which did land here in New Jersey. Listen to that episode in the back catalog. Uh, You
0: You forgot to include the quotation marks around land.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another landmark uh, in uh, aviation history, though, too, right? Uh, It is. And this guy's going to add to that. Uh, He's got the skills, the smarts, and the reckless abandon of all the early aviators. He's a a dangerous but effective combination. It certainly led to a couple of characters in this field of aviation. One of the biggest characters in this field ever, after having read about him, is a a little bit of a, a daredevil, I would say. You know, a little bit of a uh, maybe... Early um, jackass. (laughs) A little bit of an early jackass. Hey, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to... (laughs) Well, this is uh, Douglas Wrongway Corrigan.
0: (laughs) Douglas Wrongway?
1: Yes. So as my father (laughs) set us up, when your nickname is Wrongway... <laughs> right. Kind of, you got a couple bonus
2: points on the on the lose reception poll uh, See, right to get going there.
0: I think having the nickname Wrong Way in aviation isn't as bad. If we were talking about railroading, that's a whole different <laughs> thing.
1: <laughs> uh, want it bad? Podcast with your dad. He'll do anything he can the wrong way. Uh, born in Galveston, Texas. All right, which uh, again, I'll be in Texas. Uh, he would later take on the name Douglas, ditching his birth name of Clyde. So Clyde Corrigan originally uh, – he goes by Douglas later on in life. He's born to an Irish family with a last name like Corrigan. I think that's rather believable. And they moved around quite often and his parents finally split up. Douglas winds up living with his mother out in L.A. He is the future fresh prince of the air. (laughs) (laughs) Just did that for you, Cahoons. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Corrigan would do like all great future aviators and quit high school to work in construction.
2: Yeah, it was a, it was a hard scrabble life for the uh for the Carrigans early on. So that they kept moving about just trying to find work um and then eventually uh, mom and dad went to the Splitsville. and uh um young Clyde who would later become known as Douglas uh
1: went with mom. Well, this field of aviation too is not really all that well known. I mean, you got planes, you got the it goes from the Wright brothers into dogfight, you know, uh <laughs> Planes of World War One, where you're dropping bombs behind enemy lines. The idea of Zeppelins is still pretty big here. But I'll say this: if you were to make a movie about Douglas Corrigan's life, the inciting incident is about to pun intended propel him into his career as a pilot. In October of 1925, Corrigan will pay a small sum of two dollars and fifty cents, which uh, in 1925 money is the equivalent of forty bucks today. So yeah, you could either he's coughing up the kind of money that Ming makes me pay to rent this studio for an hour
0: <laughs> so maybe we should have opened way back then and just recorded onto wax instead oh, that would have been a dream.
1: <laughs> well for his 250 Corrigan will be able to take a short flight in a Curtis Jn4 plane uh, this model of plane known as the Jenny had seen use in the American military and uh, there's a really great footnote we're about to get into but uh, LP what do people need to know about the Jenny well the Curtis Jenny and the JN4 um,
2: Curtis was a major manufacturer of aircraft. As a matter of fact, this uh, JN-4, this one that he took his first ride in, um, was really left over uh, war, war surplus. Um, the Curtis Jenny was big time uh, in the First World War. And now we're in an era of American history where um, people are just going crazy over flight. We saw, you know, the Wright brothers— perform the first um, light, heavier than air aircraft, go through the first world war. We've got now have air war for the first time and we have these air aces, guys that are now you know national heroes because of the number of uh, enemy planes that they were shot down. Um, the war is over, everybody's coming home, and there's we're now entering... Aviation is at a fever pitch. It's almost like the space race that we went through back in the in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And this uh, Jenny, there was a lot of them, and there was a term called barnstorming that a lot of these vet returning veterans who knew how to fly these uh, a good point. World War I planes were now touring the country and a lot of people for a lot of people it was the first time they ever really saw an airplane and then have the opportunity to take an airplane flight and in this in this time frame very few people had ever even set you know been in in a plane or taken a flight so to have uh, almost like a Sideshow Carnival Act that you have the opportunity to go up in a plane for 40 bucks. We're going
1: to head that way? Yeah. Jeff Jeff Bezos just pulled off. You're going to start to see that where it's going to be like, you know, this, uh, oh, the carnival's in town. They shoot a monkey into space and he comes back with a banana in his hand They took from another
2: planet. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the the Curtis uh, JN-4, actually, that was a a big time plane for a a trainer that if you were going to become a military pilot or even a, a civilian pilot. Um, you were probably going to be trained on a, uh, a Curtis Jenny, a JN-4, because it was um, just a, a really good plane to learn on kind of a thing. So this was his first uh, – this was um, Doug Carrigan's first uh, airplane ride in that Jenny. Um, but there's uh, a huge breakthrough now too that previous to this, if you're up in an airplane – you had no way of communicating with other pilots or with the ground other than hand signals kind of a mm-hmm. thing. So we have this uh, breakthrough that takes place in this same time period. The First World War is over. This whole barnstorming thing is going on. People are you – know, aviation uh, is gaining by leaps and bounds that you went from the Wright brothers who were barely off the ground and, and flew less than in a football field and now we're – yeah, now we're, we're taking people on a ride for you know as a as a sideshow kind of a thing.
1: I believe it's Dan Carlin uh, from Hardcore History that talks about how history is very very slow, and then a lightning event happens, and all of a sudden you're in a different world. So we almost time travel around the World War One time frame. That With how from, much
0: advancements happen?
1: Oh yeah, well we're going to go up in a balloon on a Sunday, and that's my God, you know this, uh, the breakneck speeds of the ferry boats, that kind of thing, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's just like boom that there's an entire. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's almost like calculus. Where you're like, oh shit, it can go outward, you know what I mean? We're, <laughs> we're gonna, what if we grow into another dimension, kind of a thing. So that first big thing here is, uh, it's pretty remarkable as you were alluding to earlier, Dad, because a few years earlier, 1917, the Jenny planes, which again is the plane that Corrigan's gonna go up in for this first plane ride of his, the Jenny planes were used uh, for an experiment in which the first plane to plane, and then ground to plane, and vice versa, communications could be done. So if you were in a plane almost like a, like a trucker or something like that. You could, you know, pop in and just talk to the other kings of the highway out there. And uh, you could say, oh, this plane's up in here. I'm, I'll I see you here on, the, on my port side or something like that. Or more importantly, you had communications with ground control, right? Ground control to Major Tom. Can't, God damn it.
0: I was literally about to say <laughs> it too. Can't
1: happen until you have <laughs> it, man, you know? You took it from me. Well, Cahoon's, um, be prepared, buddy, all right? Uh, make sure you're not near a window when we tell you this. So duck and cover from Major Tom? In, uh, <laughs> in nineteen seventeen, these uh the experiments were run on these Jenny planes. Uh the Army tested these comms using again the Jennies. The radios, by the way, were made by a company called Western Electric Company. Also known as Bell Labs. You're making that up. Also known as the Bell Works. <laughs> yeah, is in the studio we're recording in right now. Yep, Kahuna's, Kahuna's leaving. <laughs> He's leaving. That's a...
0: Where did you fucking say that? Western well, Electric.
1: Bell Labs, buddy. The studio we're recording in right now, I couldn't prove if it was worked on here in Homedale or at their other facility in Murray Hill, but the New Jersey, the God, plane-to-plane communications yeah. developed right here in the center of the universe. Sorry, Pat Dowd, and we don't mean to do it. Jersey just is the center of the universe, folks. <laughs> but
0: i'm sorry i had to walk over and see because i was like you're making this up you're just fucking with me
1: this was as unsettling as when the rosenbergs uh were stealing nuclear bomb plans uh about 10 feet away from the old studio in eaton town. so yeah very
0: fort, very good point
1: fort Monmouth. Yep. there you go
0: <laughs> nah nothing will beat the westinghouse elevator though
1: there's been a lot of creepy ones on this show you know you start thinking we have crack the codes it's uh, Corrigan will take that one flight, though, and like so many people with aviation, kind of like the first time I did stand-up and I was like, wow, I'm going to ruin all every all the progress I've made in all these other fields to <laughs> sacrifice all of it to keep this feeling going. Corrigan takes that one flight, absolutely hooked on aviation. He begins taking flying lessons and spending all this time learning about the mechanics and the ins and outs of flying. So if he's not up in the plane himself flying, he's hanging out talking to the mechanics. Well, hey, how does this thing work over here and what's this all about that way? He's got – What they refer to as the knack, Dad,
2: from the old Gilbert. He's got the knack. That's right. He's got the knack. He knows how stuff works. Uh, He can just figure it out. He is, you know, very intuitive with uh, his mechanical
1: reasoning skills. He's a good. He'd be a fun student for you to have had as a a tech ed teacher. Teach him some stuff. Well, by 1926, Corrigan is now capable of solo flights. So that happened rather quickly. Corrigan gets a job with the Ryan Aeronautical Group. Uh, while there, he would assemble the wing. This one was really cool. He is in charge of assembling the wing and installing the fuel tanks on a soon-to-be very, very famous plane. Kahuna, you want to guess what plane this is? I'll give you a hint. Chuck Lindbergh's about to make a big, big historic flight in it.
0: I don't know the name. Oh, wait, the spirit. He's, the- He's got it. He's got spirit it. Spirit of St. Louis. Oh,
2: <laughs> yes. I like that he did the true false yes. thing Keep at the end. Oh, that's oh, right. it's a little... And i waiting for our facial reaction
1: <laughs> <No>. to continue.
0: <laughs> it's the spirit of something.
1: Spirit of St. Louis, you're correct. Spirit. Oh, spirit of fucking. Louis. Yeah. Uh, okay. He got out. Shout out Howell, Department of Education. You did a good job with our boy. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Some things clicked. Some things clicked. So Corrigan's uh, skill and his intelligence in aviation design and mechanics is very well known at this time. This I thought was really cool. Um, Corrigan actually is the guy who pulls the chocks off the plane as Lindbergh will take off from San Diego to New York prior to his historic flight. Dad, for the listeners at home that maybe don't know, what is the historic flight?
2: The historic flight is – well, there's a big contest. Uh, Somebody puts up money to um, challenge who can be first to fly – um, nonstop solo across the Atlantic or a transatlantic flight from New York to um, to Europe or from Europe to um, to the United States. Um, there's a lot of different people. Again, we're in uh, a fever pitch as to try to come up with all these various firsts in, in aviation. And there's a unknown um airmail pilot because airmail has only recently been developed by uh by the name of Charles Lindbergh. He's a relatively he's an unknown. He's just some government employee kind of a thing that's flying these airplanes delivering the mail. Um starting in California. He gets some funding, he gets some backing um to put together this specially designed uh, or reconfigured plane. In California, and as a, eh, not so much a test flight, but yeah, kind of like a test flight, he flies this plane that was named the Spirit of St. Louis from California, where our uh, Mr. Corrigan happens to be working as a mechanic for the company that put together his plane. So, Corrigan was the guy that actually uh, helped assemble this Spirit of St. Louis. And as you said, it was Corrigan who actually pulled the chocks out from the wheels of the spirit of St. Louis when so he flew from California adjacent. to New York um, in the attempt that the next step was going to be to fly from New York to, uh, to Europe um, in the spirit of St. Louis. And there was all kinds of uh, um, reconfigurations and tweaking on that plane. The fuel tanks, um, the wings were extended uh, or lengthened to give him greater lift. Um, auxiliary fuel tanks were put on it. That, uh, you know, basically uh, Lindbergh is flying in a, in, in a flying bomb with all the gasoline <laughs> around him, and he couldn't couldn't see straight ahead. He had to look to the left, um, out a side window type of thing to see where where he was at because the fuel tanks that were reconfigured were blocking his view. So anyhow, um, Corrigan was, uh, one of the major, one of the key, uh, mechanics on the spirit of St. Louis and to have the, and the be the guy to pull the the wheel chocks to allow the thing to roll forward to take off from uh, the field in, in Again, California he's to New York. Greatness adjacent. So that's yeah, gonna be your guy right. who's already
1: got this this love of the field yeah. and everything like that.
2: But... Going back to that Maxwell Smart, I was this close to being great. You greatness know? <laughs> adjacent.
1: Can
0: can that be a piece of merch we sell? Greatness adjacent on a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> I got a couple other ideas for T-shirt. We're gonna have to talk after the show here too. Oh, um, man. Important thing about our boy Corrigan though is that. Like we said, his smarts and his aptitude for this are very well noticed. Pretty strong pilot. He's able to, you know, he's, he's logging some hours. Also, he's got a little bit of a daredevil nature to him. This is where that Johnny Knoxville part comes in for him, Cahoons. Uh, Ryan Aeronautical is going to move to St. Louis because, hey, the most famous flight in America, the world is the spirit of St. Louis. Why not be in St. Louis and then have an aeronautical company? That makes sense to me. But Corrigan's going to stay behind. He winds up working for a flight school. And due to the high volume of hopeful one-day aviators, because like you said, Dad, now that they're like, well, look how famous – Lindbergh's getting a whole – I mean, he's world famous.
2: he's world famous. I mean, uh, all of these guys there – they're the uh, the modern-day heroes for sure. I mean, they're superseding sports stars and Hollywood stars and everything else. They're, they're up there as big Yeah, time. Lindbergh's getting French girls,
1: all right? That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's <laughs> a Well, I
2: want French girls. I'll go into the sky. It's, <laughs> uh, you know, some of these early uh, pioneers in flight are, are A-listers for sure.
1: Well, uh, he's only able to fly, Corrigan now, due to this high volume of everybody wanting to be the next Charles Lindbergh. He's only able to fly during his lunch breaks. So during these lunch breaks... Corrigan would do stunts and tricks mid-flight that showcased his outstanding skills as a pilot and also a little bit of his batshit crazy nature as a person. So the old adage is – and I don't want to say where I learned this, Dad, but um, (laughs) it is easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah. Perhaps something that came up in the Burke household on occasion. Occasionally. 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 Um, So he had – this is on full display here for our boy Corrigan. His stunts got so death-defying and dangerous – that his employers banned him from doing them in a company plane. Corrigan, I know it's your lunch break. Can you not be doing like wheelies on the, in the yeah. plane right now? You know what I mean? Well, doing your I mean, sky wheelies. Again, he's not
2: uh, rolling in dough here. He's he's working as a mechanic. And the only way he could really afford flight time is to uh, sneak the plane out on his lunch break. That, uh, you know, all the um, – Pilot trainees if, or trainers, if you will, they're on lunch break, too. So, hey, the
1: plane's not being used. I'll so we'll just slip just it out take the, for a spin the back block. door of the
2: hangar here. And we'll go for a little
1: spin. Yeah, yeah, normal, relaxed, everyday guy at first, you know, during his day. And then at lunch break, he turns into uh, the drivers from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Just <laughs> right. let's find out what this thing can do.
0: I'm getting some mighty strong vibes of the of the, of the the pilot from Independence Day at the very end. Lucy, I'm back.
1: <laughs> uh, are you talking about Randy Quaid? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's there's some good stuff in here too. Corgan's a little madman, but he's a little uh, rap scallion too. I would call him. He's pretty fun. <laughs> also like Steve-O there's yeah there's a lovable nature to his brand of Irish bullshit, which again that's another thing that probably came up in the Burke household a little bit. Some Irish bullshit. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're disparaging an entire race. I don't know. We're gonna get charged here. They're an island. It's that's a right. <laughs> his stunts again get so death defying that uh, the company's like, dude, you can't do this shit. You're we can't let you do that anymore. Yeah, right? it's a company plane. You mm-hmm.
2: don't own the plane, and, and it's just bad to watch. Have all these students hanging around, seeing you doing all this batshit crazy stuff. And what happens if you crash? Well, we're out of plane, we're out of mechanic, and all these uh, would-be um,
1: students might uh, decide differently. But we'll make the paper. Um, <laughs> That's right. Corrigan's response, by the way, he goes, well, uh, if I just fly a little further south, there's another field. I can be doing these stunts and no one can see me. So he's not even... You know when you act uh, bold to impress somebody, you know?
0: And then you overdo it.
1: Uh, well, there's that. or um, But imagine if you're doing it to earn the approval of somebody else. Versus just legitimately needing the thrill for your own self. So that's what Corrigan's doing. There's no girls watching him that he's trying to show off for. He's just out there going as crazy as he can in the plane because that's what he likes to do on his lunch break. You know, pull these stunts off, really, truly test his limits. And he's doing it now with no audience because, well, if they can't see me do it, then I'm not really doing it. Right. Can't get into trouble if you don't know I'm doing it. Comes into play later in the story here quite a little bit. He's doing Um, it
2: on the sneak. That's all.
1: Corrigan is also known to talk about his desire to fly across the Atlantic, much like Lindbergh had, and casually mentions, well, if I was going to do it, I'd land in Ireland, you know, and last name's Corrigan, you know, it's, uh, they have, Irish people have this draw towards Ireland. Go back to the old sod. Yeah, which is funny because most Irish people have never been over there, but they're like, oh, finally I'm home. And the Irish tourists are like, are, are you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, ah, I'm home.
0: <laughs> Come Comes off the boat. Ah, it's great. Takes pictures like a fucking
1: tourist. It's uh, That's 90% of their economy, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 99.9. The, the,
0: the other is uh, alcohol imports.
1: Uh, they don't have to import, buddy. <laughs> Jameson and Guinness all comes from one little island there, man. That's a... Uh, in 1929, Corrigan will cough up. I'm sorry, I have no. this date wrong. You called me. You caught me on the car ride down with this, yep. Dad. 1933, 33. So Corrigan will cough up $310, which in 2021 money is over four grand. So uh, to buy his own plane, which is a, a monoplane, by the way, which is a huge design advancement because this is a one-wing plane.
2: Yeah, the and, the, the Jenny, that that first plane that he uh, flew in on that, um, you know, forty-dollar. Uh, What would would amount to be, by today's dollars, a $40 plane trip. Uh, That was a biplane, so you got two wings. Biplanes
1: are attracted to both men and women, if I recall.
2: Correct, correct. Okay, okay, thank you. So you can go either way on that one. Yes, it's... Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You can go, yeah, we'll find out about which direction he's going. But, um, yeah, he now um, is able to scrape up enough money to buy um, his own plane. But... One of the things that is important to the date here is this is 1933. So the country and the world is now in the midst of the Great Depression because the stock market crashed in 29. So for somebody to be buying even a used plane, you're you're making a pretty serious uh, commitment here. And he's only working really now as a mechanic and he's doing some barnstorming himself that he's now charging people – to go up in a, in a plane to um, you know, give them their wizards. first plane rides yeah. kind of a thing. So, yeah. So he's, he's doing it, whatever. So you're, whether you're scaring the, the crap out of tourists, taking them on whitewater rafting trips down, the, down a river, or <laughs> whether you're uh, doing it by taking them on, you know, scaring the crap out of them by taking them up in a plane or whatever. It's, uh, it's, you know, that it's that whole fear factor, I think, that is a big Driver to this whole thing. I mean, how many people are going to the uh, amusement park because they want to go on the roller coaster, and and other people. There's no way I'm even going to go near that. But um, and flight right now, it's still some pretty pretty scary stuff. You know, God intended me to walk on the ground, not go
1: up in the air in some. Surely God did not intend for man (laughs) to travel at such breakneck speeds. There you go. President Martin Van Buren on uh, steamboats, I believe it was. Yeah, steamboats or trains or something. No, I think it was steamboats. The breakneck speed of like 20 miles an hour. My goodness. Yeah. So this uh, monoplane that he has now, which is the one wing instead of the two overlapping, like we said. More specifically, this is a Curtis Robin plane that he's going to buy, like you said, during the height of the Depression. And even more specifically, a solo operator plane. You're not bringing anybody up it, with you in this plane. This is the pilot is the navigator, is right. the bombardier, right. is the mechanic. Great point because the Curtis Jenny,
2: the, the first plane that he went in, that's a two-seater. So mm-hmm. you would typically have your your um, pilots sitting behind – the actual guy who had the pilot's license is sitting behind the, the student – um, so you know, get you observe what the heck they're doing, and and kind of make corrections if if need be. To and once they got good, then uh, you
1: know you could also be your own stewardess on board. Oh, I guess I'll have a cocktail. You see <laughs> yeah, right. the rest of this, right? <laughs> so uh, Corrigan will put his years of work in modifications, mechanics, and engineering to use as he begins modifying this new plane of his. This is his passion project again. This is—is is it going to be a money pit, or is it going to be the thing that I changed the world with? He had a specific a mission of, in mind. A little all the above. A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> he's got a specific mission in mind, something he's been talking about for years. Lindbergh is getting all this press and uh, for doing something that I think I could probably do too. Corrigan's plane would use two, by the way. I thought this was interesting. Two old Wright engines. Not right as in left and right. right as in the Wright brothers. The first merger of the Wright Brothers Company was headquartered in. Kahuna, you want to guess what state it might be headquartered in?
0: New Jersey.
1: He's right. <laughs> He's, He's got right. it. He's got it. The boys got it. We are the center of the I'm universe. I'm two for we're, two this time. We're yeah. not even trying to make this happen. It just is, okay? Um, he has a lot a, of
0: advancements were East Coast. I mean
1: – That's a good point. That's a good point for real because it's – You got to go where these hubs of things are going on here too. So there's a reason why you got open roads and a moonshine business down south. That's where all you're getting all the crazy NASCAR type stuff and
0: California already had the movie boom and cinema and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And it's like. Every couple of
1: years and switches. they And they were able to import uh, – I'm sorry, export arrogance from California. <laughs> <laughs> <A> major, major <laughs> – I'm right. kidding. I would live in California if I could afford it. I'm it's a too. big uh, cash crop. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, again, Corrigan's plane, he's piecing this thing together here. He's going to ask for certification on his modified plane for his desired flight from New York to Ireland. So he's now stating it out in the open. It's just been a rumor in the past – yeah, Corrigan's always going on about how he thinks he can go from New York to Ireland in one shot. And uh, the Bureau of Air Commerce will actually reject the plane for the next – for two years. He can't get this thing passed for two years.
2: Yeah, but I think we need to back up a little bit here too because in, 33, in 1933, Corrigan coughs up the $310 to buy this used Curtis Robin plane. It is a monoplane. Um, so you're not flying the old uh, biplane type of a thing. It's a solo operator, like you said, Kev, but uh, it's basically a piece of crap. Um, <laughs> it's, it's an old plane, even by 1933, it's already considered like nine years old, I believe, at that point, and nine years worth of development in this particular time frame was huge. Um, we talk about buying a new car, and well, man, wow, I got. I got uh, lane of – you know, lane tracking and uh, backup cameras and all kinds of stuff in my new, new ride that nine years ago, that car didn't have any of that crap. You know, I can – I have uh, all kinds of uh, bells and whistles on my new car that wasn't even thought of nine years before. Well, take that to flight to an airplane design and that's huge. So he's got this old – beater airplane here's a nice piece of shit (laughs) Uh, freshly
0: polished and again
2: you're in a you're in a uh, you're in a world depression so um economic depression um and he knows that this particular plane is not going to have the the power needed to fly across the 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 atlantic to and quote Ryan right White, across it's a the pack Atl-
1: of gum with wings. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, don't forget the duct tape and the bailing wire because <laughs> bailing wire will come into play in a bit too. But um, he, he realizes that this plane is too light for the fight to go across the Atlantic. And going across the Atlantic is no small feat. No. I mean, Lindbergh did it, but— um, By
0: the skin of his teeth. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. by the skin of his teeth. And it's probably some of the worst weather conditions flying across the North Atlantic— um, that you could possibly pick
0: because he's not flying above the clouds like normal jetliners he's really got to stay right
2: you're not at 35,000 feet you're yeah. you're you're hovering uh you know up there
0: <laughs> you're in the turbulence
2: and the, Tur- the <laughs> so what he does is in, in trying to um you know get this thing souped up a little bit to make it turn it into a a muscle car a muscle plane is he buys not one but two similar um Engines, to swap out the original engine in this old plane and put something in it that's he's a, got a
0: chopper
1: a little more for powerful. a plane,
2: folks. I yeah, hope you're right. understanding Yo, this. Your
0: first LS swap boy,
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? But it, it, it basically he's cannibalizing the two engines that he buys, two to make one, and he's holding this thing together, you know, with bubblegum spitting and, and uh, duct tape, kind of a thing, uh, just to p- patch this thing together. So it really wasn't surprising that the uh the aeronautical folks did not give him you
1: know uh a clear flight path or permission to fly if you parked this plane on your front lawn um they would give you a ticket for uh it being unsightly i think right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh,
0: we need you to move that plane asap yeah, the homeowners this,
1: association called us you ain't kidding <laughs> yeah and um
2: but what's interesting too is the uh, the the engines that he had installed in this old beater airplane were uh, right whirlwinds uh, the right whirlwind the whirlwind design is now a rotary uh, type cylinder the cylinders the pistons are going in a circle around the thing it's you know a relatively new design from Uh, some of the straight block engines that they might have had during the First World War. So, again, a lot of these developments are going on. Lindbergh actually used a similar whirlwind design. But, again, now we're taking that from Lindbergh's flight, and he's trying to up his ante a little bit. But So we're going from um, the original engine had a 90-horsepower engine. (laughs) <laughs> and even by today's car standards, 90 horsepower. That ain't shit. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have a hard time getting out onto the... <laughs> we did that coming down to the studio <laughs> You're right. Today. Sorry, um, Sunquist family. <laughs> and then uh, so by taking these two old uh, right whirlwinds, um, he's able to soup it up um, and, and come up with a 165 horsepower engines. So, hey, we're, you're not exactly... Uh, you know, the muscle cars of, uh, of the 60s and 70s, you're pretty much, uh, you know, some little four-cylinder bank. So you got a five, five-cylinder airplane engine that's pushing out at best 165 horsepower. And Corrigan's okay with this. And he's okay with that. And he's
1: doing it by himself. So what the hell? It, that's the, the dream project right here for him. The Bureau of Air Commerce will reject the plane, like we said, for two years. And by the way, in those two years, like you said, Dad, you're going to have these increases in regulations. So eventually, Corrigan's plane isn't even deemed safe enough for any use whatsoever. <laughs> right. So at the start, it goes, well, you're not good enough for that. You can probably travel over the state, though, You know, like over the states. You can probably go out to the Midwest or something. Or if you want to go to California you can, you know, in New York, you can probably do that because here's the key. If you break down in the air, a skilled pilot knows, well, listen, I'm over land. I can just find like a cornfield or something and try to maybe crash this thing in a safe manner, as crazy as... A, a, a safe crash sounds like jumbo shrimp. It's an oxymoron, but it it's an option. Yeah, You run out of that option if you're over the ocean.
2: Yeah. And and that whole um, board that d- the Bureau of Air Commerce, uh, who kept on denying him permission to fly transatlantic, he goes back to the drawing. Over that two-year time, it wasn't just, well, I'm going to ask and then they say no, and I'm going to come back two years later. He Continues to make modifications and tries to make improvements on this old rattletrap of an airplane of his to actually gain permission from them. And they keep denying, denying, denying. Uh, and then, you know, it's, uh, it kind of leads up to,
1: uh, our story, uh, where we're taking it from there. Well, he nicknames the plane Sunshine a little bit ironically due to uh, the missing of a, he was, the plane was grounded, I believe, for missing the safe window, uh, safe weather window. Yeah, that was, that was another thing that, uh, so again. It's more what's like the most, sunset. Yeah, <laughs> right. What's the most Irish thing you can do? Oh, we'll name the plane Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But actually, I have a great casting couch for this and, uh, and I'll, I'll argue, I'll say it now and then you can try to argue one for mm. me. Jack Nicholson needs to play <laughs> wrong, wrong Way, way Oregon. Well, we're just going to get up there in the sky and see what happens.
0: <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that's not fair. That's like cheating.
1: It is. Jack but Nicholson good is
0: good at almost anything.
1: It's yeah, true. true. I think he'll fit for this one, too. We didn't even get to the reason why he has his nickname yet. So without further ado, folks, we're going to get into the next chapter of this man's story here. Uh, by the plane being denied, uh, you know, being, being considered not safe for any use, he has to get an experimental license. So this is a huge step backwards for Corgan. He's like, this is going to be the impetus for what soon has become his iconic endeavor here in a plane named Sunshine that's uh, – whether or not you want to consider it safe for use is a whole other thing here. <laughs> uh, to his credit, by the way, because uh, he winds up – the plane is grounded for six months. Is it still a plane at this point? It's – Yeah, it's still a, it's still a <laughs> plane. it's not
0: in the air and it hasn't made a sound, is it a plane?
1: There's a little bit <laughs> of a uh, – what was the name of the, uh, the, the thing that the little rascals put together? What was their race car's name? They had the boxcar race. The Blur? The Blur, yeah. (laughs) He's got a little bit of that going on. Um, To his credit, Corrigan will never admit to deliberately disobeying regulations. And as we are about to learn, a lot, lot more. Uh, Corrigan will bank on the same logic that he used for his lunch break plane stunts. what what did we say about that? It's easier to ask forgiveness than...
0: (laughs) It's easier to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission.
1: So he keeps asking permission and they keep saying no. So what's he going to ask for next? Forgiveness. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> if no one sees you do it, you can't get in trouble for it. Yeah, so I mean,
2: Corrigan, he's back in, in uh, California. And at this particular point, after trying to gain permission after two years, he's spent a total of about $900 on his plane, on his engines, on his modifications and everything else. Which equals about mm, sixteen, maybe seventeen thousand dollars today. So a
1: little bit of a money pit here. You're taking a good used car, and uh, Dougie ain't making right. a whole lot of cash either. He's he's doing what he loves, but he's not making a whole lot of cash, right? So,
2: um, and he does. He has uh, he has gained an experimental license, and he finally does obtain permission for, like you said, Kev, a transcontinental flight. Transcontinental meaning you can fly. You have permission to fly this rattletrap trap from California to New York, but you got land under you the whole time. Mm-hmm. So if you do get yourself into trouble, you can always come down out of the skies, touch down and, uh, you know, make the necessary repairs or whatever. But he does not
1: get permission for the transatlantic flight. Well, he starts – you know, it starts little enough. You know what I mean? He goes, oh, well, you know, if I, uh, if I show up late on purpose to refuel – then these higher-ups are always giving me uh, you know, the pain in the ass, the high brass, if you will. They're you know, being real jerks. Uh, they're not going to be around because they go home around five. So if I show up after five, I don't even have to deal with these jerks, right? So that's the first little inkling towards what he's about to do here. He also uh, rather ingeniously arrives at Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn. Hey, Air- hey Brooklyn, New York, eh? Huh? That's right. Lou DiOrio in the building. So, <laughs> <laughs> the airfield is abuzz with the preparations for Howard Hughes' world tour flight – Which is attracting all the media attention. So a little paper, you know, what do they call it? Uh, (laughs) A pack of gum with wings, pieced together, is going to kind of just casually land in the background while all the big grandiose preparations for Howard Hughes and the world tour. Yeah, I mean Howard
2: Howard Hughes is an A-lister. He's you know the
1: the movie mogul. He's um, this is like uh, me doing an open mic while Bill Burr's playing a theater down the street. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sign up for the open mic here in front of me. The- there you go.
2: There you go. Um, so, I mean, he leaves, he leaves California. He flies across um, um, the continent. He's doing this his whole transcontinental flight. Uh, while he's flying from California to New York, to Floyd Bennett Field in New York, he develops a fuel leak. Um, he so he's going to, you know, he's going to have to make some repairs. He flies into Floyd Bennett Field while all this big hoopla is going on with Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes is a world celebrity because of his um, aircraft designs. He, You know, he's got one of the fastest planes. He just – Howard Hughes breaks the world – around the world flight record. I mean shatters the thing um,
1: from – uh, but he's not doing if you it you mix solo. Howard Hughes with Jack Parsons, they say, that's how you get Tony Stark, who played Iron Man, the, the character who who is Iron Man, I should say. So okay. That's what definitely a guy who is known for uh, this type of thing.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, Howard Hughes, uh, there's all kinds of, of publicity and media, and people are um, crushing the airfield uh, to try to get a glimpse of what is going on with Howard Hughes breaking this uh, uh, around the world record. Um, and he does, it goes around the world in three days, 23 hours, and 35 minutes, which is like, that's like unbelievable to be going around the world that quickly. Now we do it in, yeah. Know. Hulk Hogan's theme song should be playing right now. <laughs> right. We're doing this. Uh, meanwhile, old uh, um, Doug Carrigan slips in the back door at, um, at the airfield. Don't mind me, folks. He uh, needs yeah. repairs. He's got to fix this this fuel leak. He is a mechanic, so he wiggles his way into- A little um, bit of Lowell Mathers from wings <laughs> to him, too, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so he uh, does. He's, you didn't think I'd get that reference, you bastard. Yeah, he's going to her
2: up a couple of from things From wings, here. right? Yeah. Um, but he does wiggle his way into um, the repair facility and starts making- or attempting to make the repairs on his uh, leaky rattletrap of a plane. Meanwhile, the rest of the ground crew, um, they go home. So he's left alone in the maintenance facility. Nobody's around. He refuels. You now he supposedly fixes the, the the
1: fuel leak problem that he had.
2: Nobody's Supposedly. around. Yeah.
1: Nobody's around. And who's and keeping it's... him honest? His own flight logs, which have him <laughs> right. saying, he goes, from Brooklyn, I'll be going back to California. Right. And you know from all our trucker friends that nobody kind of cooks
2: the books on their travel log, right? That the, <laughs> as though what, how much fuel you Shit, load and I mean, everything I, else.
1: I, right. I, we we booked this place for an hour, and I don't think that's <laughs> ever happened. <laughs> yeah, really.
2: <laughs> um, but anyhow, yeah, so with in the midst of all this hoopla with Howard Hughes's... Uh, uh, world tour and record breaking world tour, um, he refuels and and uh, he's able to uh,
1: he's able to take off from Floyd Floyd Bennett Field. Um, so he's in Brooklyn. So Cahoons, I'll just ask you because you can break down the logic of this. Mm-hmm. You're in Brooklyn. Yes. Uh, so if you want to go back to California, what direction are you going to go? West. Right. So if you got on Route eighty nowadays, where we're a couple of jersey kids and he's here. not even a trained pilot, he figured we'd able to figure that one out. Well I need to get on eighty West if I'm gonna head west, right? That makes sense <laughs> to me. What's this guy's name again?
0: Douglas wrong way, Corey.
1: <laughs> so if you're flying through, you probably notice some flyover country underneath you. I'm so uh,
0: sorry it took that. <laughs>
1: This is my favorite laugh of his this one's it
2: <laughs> I'm so sorry this one's it <laughs> sorry about that's it. an honest laugh
1: dude oh my God. so he's gonna take off from Brooklyn and he, he asked the guy at the field he goes hey which field can I take off of and he goes oh well um, you know really you can have your pick of the ball if you want whatever you, just you know make sure you're going the right way and it's kind of the hint at that maybe it was understood that uh, Corrigan knew what he was doing and that this guy kind of knew what he was doing as well and I'll tell you what guys Corrigan will take off for California in the wrong direction. That's correct. That's how you get the nickname over here. Now, if you're going through uh, flyover country, as they would call it, you would notice that there's ground underneath you. Uh, maybe you'd figure out at some point, you're like, hey, this ground looks blue and wavy. <laughs> really? This is a lot of blue. I don't remember this much blue being in Illinois. Yeah, I'm not know? a
2: trained pilot, but even when I look out the window of an airplane, I can kind of tell the difference between wow, the, the Great Atlantic Lakes ocean.
1: are pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is wild, man. We've been man. flying over this for a while now. I guess Penn State's having a game or something. There's a lot of blue out here, man. I don't know what we're doing, but... Hey, that Uh,
0: flag looks kind of like a Dixie flag. Oh.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, again, here's where he gets very interesting because you don't know. Is this a mishap? Is this a planned mishap? What is the deal here? So um, he's going the wrong way. Like all great losers, if you can't tell, all right, we don't know when he's lying and if he's correct on anything here. He he likes to play a little ambiguous. Corrigan claims that after 10 hours of flight, 10 hours – you ever go the wrong direction for 10 hours in any way, shape, or form?
0: No.
2: Yeah, you missed nope. the exit, dude. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think we missed the exit. I think if it ever
0: got to that point, I'd just I'd just go home. Yeah, like I live here now.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, his like his this... claim was that he took off and he went up and he got into a, a cloud bank mm-hmm. and never came out of
1: that cloud bank. And he's got no radio and his only navigational right. tool is a 20-year-old compass.
0: See, I don't think that cloud bank was an actual cloud bank. I think he literally was just like... Let me make up something that sounds kind of smart and might happen, dude. Maybe it
2: was like a a Cheech and Chong movie. (laughs) That cloud was (laughs) a different kind of a cloud.
1: What is this?
0: Doug, Doug's not here.
1: (laughs) Sherlock Holmes did a lot of coke, man. (laughs) So, around the ten-hour mark, okay, the ten-hour mark, he notices that his feet are cold, and uh, he figures out why. Dad, why is Douglas Corrigan's feet cold at the Uh, ten-hour mark of this journey?
2: Yeah, he's uh my feet are a little chilly and uh, realizes that there's uh fuel, there's gasoline leaking into the cockpit and it's puddling up on the on the bottom of the of the cockpit and his feet are getting wet with gasoline and that's why his feet are starting to
1: feel cold. Wiley Coyote is saying, This is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's very risky. That acme gas is really not working out so well. So in order to this is my favorite part of the the, the story. There's so much great stuff coming as well, but this really is a high water mark for me. Um, This gas leak and the cold feeling, uh, he's literally – the gas is sloshing around in the cockpit with him. Corrigan will increase his engine speed up to 20 percent in hopes of making it to California on time. Uh, He will also take a screwdriver. And punch a hole in the floor of the cockpit. I
0: was just gonna say, like, I'm surprised no one at this point, cause these things are basically flying metal death traps at this point right. at this point in it's time. There. I'm right. surprised no one had like a like a fucking Acme plug at the bottom of the fucking plane. Like <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Oh, gasoline? No problem. Boop. So even he a wearing. boat has a drain plug. Yeah. Here's yeah, exactly. where we would be
1: in trouble. We we would be in trouble because we wouldn't think to do this. So here's where his smarts come in on this one thing. He, the hole that he pops in with the screwdriver, he pops it in so that the gas will drain away from the hot exhaust pipe so that he's not going to blow himself up midair. Gotcha. Now,
2: this well, that's the mechanic in him that's saying, hey, wait a minute, gasoline, hot manifold, uh, that's not a good
0: thing. He doesn't want to puncture yeah. the hole the wrong way. Yeah,
2: and and, and his, his plane, again, is modified to the uh, nth degree to be able to get enough fuel capacity on board to we'll take some- him— you know, that distance um, of of flight time necessary. He's got uh, – I think it was like 320
1: gallons worth of gas when he Freeze, first takes go, off. So breeze, well, you know, you always have to have enough gas to get there and then, you know, you're going to wind up ha- sitting in a little gas on the way home. You know what I mean? You always have to get some extra <laughs> right. gas, you know, because, you know, if your feet are warm, you want to cool them down with some gas. <laughs> but you would think – here's the part where they start to poke some holes in his story. They say, hey uh, – at the 10-hour mark, if you're noticing the gas thing, a smart guy would have just taken the plane down, especially if you thought you were going over land. And uh, that doesn't really add up here because now you can't land in the ocean and hope that someone's coming for you because it could be days before someone gets out there. So that kind of says, well, maybe he kind of knew what he was doing here a little bit. Now, uh, we're going to continue on with the story in this regard. Now, he's averted disaster by not blowing up in the goddamn sky by punching a hole in his own plane. Yeah. So that's pretty great. Now around 27 hours into his flight, Corrigan then on his own logs notices his navigational error. <laughs> so 27 hours in, that's beyond a full day in the air. Some argue that if he'd really thought he was up in California, he would have landed somewhere safely. But again, you can't go into the Atlantic here. Maybe, uh, maybe he'd figure out something. Well, If he knew that he was over the ocean, maybe he'd go land in some sort of a country where he'd been talking about wanting to have a transatlantic flight since you know, good old Chuck Lindbergh did it. Maybe he's going to go back to a place where his family surname is from. (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe he's going to Ireland, folks. And Wrong Way Corrigan will, in fact, land in Dublin on July 18th after a gas-leaking 28-hour flight I would, I would love to know the hallucinations that he had on that. He's just pretty much on ether. We're in the fumes. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my co-pilot, this parrot here. Yeah, he's the one who landed the plane for us.
0: Yo, the <laughs> clouds were talking on that trip. It was crazy, man. <laughs>
1: it was just like an ep- uh, uh, a level of Super Mario Brothers with the clouds smiling back at him. Oh, my uh, God. But if he was really going to go to California, who knows? Who knows? But he winds up landing over in Ireland. Now, this is hilarious. Luckily, his in-flight meal was two chocolate bars— two fig bars and a quart of water. Corrigan, as we said, had no radio and a 20-year-old compass. Uh, this led, or this wind up backing his claim, if you will, that he had no idea he had gone the wrong way. Imagine Kahuna landing in Dublin, seeing the foggy dew as the sheeps pass by on green pastures of farmland. <laughs> as far as the eye can see, the Emerald Isle, hearing the strong accents of the Irish people as they smoke cigarettes and drink Guinness, and looking out and saying... California, baby! I made it! (laughs) Corrigan would claim for the rest of his life that he had no idea he had gone, in fact, the wrong way. He was welcomed (laughs) as a hero, and even the New York Times legendary reporter, H.R. Knickerbocker, okay? Again, you want to learn where sports team names come from? Knickerbocker's pretty big family here. We talked about that with... uh, uh the Sleepy Hollow episode, Washington Irving as well.
0: Great popcorn empire.
1: Indeed. Uh they'll claim that his flight was almost by the way, and this is the now the press is reporting favorably on this. They say, well, if you really think about it, Corrigan's flight is almost more impressive than Lindbergh's because Corrigan did it unknowingly, and it's a bit of a a he did it in a beater car. I need right. to show you right. something
0: that I just found, and this is the picture I'm excited. for the thing. So the New York Post did a, a front page article about the wrong post. way? I had it. Yeah,
1: the yeah. Times. I'm sorry. I might be wrong on that. Look oh, at this. The post. Oh, they—they <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: they
1: put the
2: headline. <laughs> <laughs> um, hell, wrong way, car again! But they printed
1: they the, Put in the, They put the banner backwards. <laughs> oh, that's Backwards. backwards.
0: I yeah. want to shake. I know he's probably dead, but the person who fucking made that, I want to shake your head. The yeah. post
1: has always been funny. Oh my Always God. been funny. They have the best sports stuff too, man. But to put the title in backwards, there—that's absolutely hysterical. I didn't find that. I thank you. We're gonna put that up on the Instagram for sure. Yeah. Um, the, uh, oh. the, the so good. He he now becomes a, a world celebrity
2: in his own right, though um because i mean here's this this stupid yank mechanic who flies s- supposedly quote unquote the wrong way flies in on this old beater of a rattle trap kind of a thing um you know it was described as the most wretched looking jalopy um <laughs> that uh, the uh, engine cowling was just a patchwork of uh of um resoldered like a patchwork quilt of stuff that uh, Corrigan had soldered on there himself. It was like a, a homemade, put-together, you know, it's like a kid's race car. That uh, He's showing
1: up in Murtaugh's uh, station wagon from Lethal Weapon 2. That's that's how he's getting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Held together with, you know, hope. <laughs> oh, my God. So this is fascinating here. So uh, they're arguing that because Corrigan did it unknowingly in a beater car rather than the nice kind of Rolls-Royce that Lindbergh had specially designed for his well-trumpeted and highly planned-out flight. This guy did that shit on accident, so they're running with this story. This is going to sell some papers. Corrigan broke so many rules that aviation officials actually came up with a few new ones just to punish him with because the shit had never been tried before.
2: Right? For yeah, always. he was told not to fly across the the Atlantic, forbidden to do that. He did it anyway, and then you know there was all kinds of of you know flight aviation rules that he broke. Uh, they actually uh, sent a six hundred word. Telegram back to the United States, taking away his license and grounding him
1: and everything. How else. How long do you think his license was suspended for, Cajuns? If you had, to, I mean, this is a pretty egregious offense here. So
0: flying across the country, well, across the world,
1: across the Atlantic, across the Atlantic, yeah, going the wrong way, the wrong way. Without a uh, properly endorsed flight um, plan? Yeah, three years, two weeks. What? Yep. Yeah. Slap on the wrist. Yeah, by the time he, was, he gets back, he's going to have his license again. <laughs> yeah. Now he does come back
2: um, by ship, and his plane is sent back aboard ship. And by the time he gets back to New York, it just so happens that it, it probably took about two weeks mm-hmm. for the transatlantic um, sailing. To come back with the plane that he's now greeted in New York as this, you know, world famous. He's greeted in more of a hero. He got a better reception, a, a hero's reception. A ticker
1: tape parade than Lindbergh got from right. Spirit of St. Louis. More people attended
2: his ticker tape parade than Lindbergh well, did. Well, you mm-hmm. know
0: what? To be honest, I would I would see, I understand why, because it's like, I, th- I think because he went the wrong way, it makes him more endearing. Because I find it's like it's more everyman. Lindbergh was already a celebrity celebrity at this point. Well he like. was he was
1: unknown prior to that, but then he showed up and then the guy's like a you know good looking guy, he's the poster boy for this. He takes to the high life immediately. Exactly. This is your uh this is your on bleeder kind of a yeah, guy. Yeah, this right. is the
0: everyday joke. Right.
1: Now also the question has to be asked though did he know did he do this intentionally and he just goes, Whoopsies. Is yeah, that his oh, get sorry. out of jail free card? <laughs> Ooh, are you kidding? Yeah, I was in these clouds, I had no clue, man. I'm so lucky I landed in Ireland where I've been Talking about and going for it. twenty something years,
2: yeah. And as I said, there was a six hundred word telegram back in the day when you were paying for your messages by the word. So every word is costing them money. But they're they're dreaming up new rules and regulations that this guy broke. But I think they were picture really the telegraph
1: office that just picture it. U.S. did it aeronautical did it bureau safety. Are you did it stop fucking kidding me? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: yeah.
2: is the plane. Um, and they were so pissed at him, but I think by the groundswell of people cheering this guy on, at a boy, I mean, there was a uh, he's an everyman that, that just thumbed his nose at it. And again, not to be uh discounted, we're in the middle of this depression, so people are hard scrabbling and hard knock life, um, back home, and he was. Denied permission for over two years, and he finally just thumbed his nose at at the authorities and said, "Screw you! I'm doing it my way," and uh, is now receiving this hero's welcome of uh, coming back home as, you know, at a boy kind of a thing. You did it on that beater plane. Um, and hard scrabble, and don't forget chewing gum to seal the the gas leak that <laughs>
1: you might have experienced on the
0: he way over. He popped a little <laughs> hole
1: in, uh, in the plane. He made it all work. Now, huge, huge ticker tape parade in New York, like we said, bigger than Lindberghs. Also, a second parade is going to be held for him in Chicago, because Chicago's a nice Irish town, Dad. They got a lot of history over there. So they're going to root for a guy. I mean, Chicago's a tough town, too, man. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. This is uh, this is kind of important to note, Um the theme song that played for him when he came off the plane in Chicago. Did you know this? No. The conquering hero, man, stone cold, stone wrong cold. way, Korg. <laughs> so he's about as cool as they come here. Again, says he does it unknowingly. So they can't really come down on him. He serves his time, whatever, a little slap on the wrist. But you're a celebrity now. The entire world knows you. Your right. name is written backwards yeah. what are in your going to Post. What
2: are you going to do with this world-class uh, hero status? Uh, you're going to put him in jail for— uh, And he
1: sticks to his story. Oh, I had no idea because it's that great scene from Breaking Bad when the wife comes in and they talk about cooking the books. And she goes, oh, you know you can just use like uh, uh, QuickBooks or whatever? And they're like, you can't. We can't embezzle if we don't know we embezzled. So she gets out of like a big trouble by just playing dumb. Right. So she's her own wrong way Corrigan on that one. Um, and he, he winds up uh, – again, probably a heroic stay in Ireland when he first landed there. Now he's very well accepted over in New York. He's. I think fancy. a few pints might have been purchased yeah, for him. Yeah, he's doing pretty good, man. <laughs> uh, again, this wrong way Corrigan name becomes household. It's actually entered into the terminology for the parlance of the times. Growing up as a kid – you heard this getting thrown around by good old Grammy Burke. Oh, yeah. My my
2: mother and father, you know, again, they lived, they lived through that time. So to be a, a Corrigan, uh, you know, or to pull a Corrigan, uh, you went the wrong way, dude, or you're heading in
1: the wrong direction. Um, wrong way again, just became co- common parlance. So when you got a story like that, the rights to the story are going to be pretty good. So the best way to make sure it's told the right way, especially when you have to make sure that you're not indicting yourself for possible, uh, you know, issues – he wrote his own autobiography, and I believe it was called uh, That's My Story. Not, I'm sticking to it, but definitely yeah. <laughs> implied. Right. Did
0: he write that backwards too? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, start own, the, uh...
0: we start at the end and then go to the beginning.
1: <laughs> He's Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's his autobiography. It sells very well. It's uh, put out on the shelves in time for the Christmas season. And what great you know gift you want to give your kid? Then here's the, auto, the, the true story of an American hero in a very strange fashion of Wrong Way Corrigan. He is then greeted also by President FDR. So now FDR's wanting to hang out with him and, hey, we Roosevelts, we're not ones to be fucked with. You seem like you're not one to be fucked with either, <laughs> Corey, and you're all right. So there will actually be a movie starring himself by RKO Pictures, Kahuna. Wait, a movie starring himself? Right. Yep. There will be a movie in which he will be playing. He takes the lead. The title role is The Flying Irishman. And our boy is in the movie. Wrong Way Corrigan plays himself in the movie, and uh, it's put out by RKO Pictures. Lose reception, Orson Welles. So,
0: no way.
1: Yep, it's because uh, again, RKO Studios is the one that made. This is uh, one of the Citizen best Kane. episodes we've done. I told you it was going to be good. <laughs> I I love this story. Eventually, after the movie comes out, originally he's quiet on this front because Lindbergh, Lindbergh immediate during the Spirit of St. Louis and immediately after is one of the greatest Americans in the history of humankind. Like, that's the guy that we want. That's our, our champion of that time frame. Later on in life, he gets a little bit crazy here because he's a little too cozy with this Hitler fella, and he goes, oh, well, you know, there's this yeah. idea of, you know, I mean, I I don't see anything wrong with, Wait, you know. Wait, what? Really? He was. He's uh, yeah. he a little too cozy. Charles with, Lindbergh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Charles oh, Lindbergh. I, I was no, like no. Douglas.
0: No. No. no, <laughs> no, no, no. Wrong way
1: is Irish, so they're not. Um, they're not. Look, the, the Irish. First of all, a lot of people don't know this. The original clan was also anti-Catholic and very anti-Irish. Right. So <laughs> ain't nobody getting in that club. Right. But uh, weirdly enough, so uh, Lindbergh, he's quiet on this up front. Eventually, winds up writing a congratulatory letter.
2: Yeah, Charles Lindbergh, or you like to call him Chuck, uh, Lindbergh does write him a congratulatory letter, but it was after Wrong Way Corrigan sent him an autographed copy of his book. (laughs) (laughs) I I love him so much. Here's here's my book. uh, You know, that's my story. And then finally, uh, Charles Lindbergh. Lindbergh must have known the guy because he worked on the Spirit of St. Louis for him.
1: Oh, yeah. No. This
2: is, it's, you know, it's a little one-off. This is
0: amazing. This this dude is just, I, I can't, you can't go wrong
1: with this dude. We found it. Here's where he goes wrong.
0: Oh, you got to be kidding
1: me. Only misstep that I could find in his time on this earth is that, uh, and by the way, he passed away in 1995. Are you serious? So a, Wait, had, when? He had a good long run. I don't know the exact date, but it was 1995 when he passed. Um, his only true misstep during this time frame of being very popular was that he will run for Senate. On the prohibition party ticket, and he will garner less than two percent of the vote. So, because probably all the people are like you ever go the wrong way and it works out okay. This, this, you're a barroom hero and you're running on the prohibition party ticket. I, the wrong <laughs> right. way, Corrigan. Oh wait, he doesn't like this. Yeah. So, uh his only hobby that he really had was working on, uh you know. Aircraft, really. That was just his obsession. He he completely stuck to this thing. and yeah, that was his thing. Made a hell of a Well,
2: actually, during the Second World War too, he was uh, helping uh, out with uh, tested bomber pilot. Uh, yeah.
1: Pile. Now, did this uh,
0: did this fame and notoriety notoriety that uh, Jesus did this fame end up like financially benefiting him, or was it just certainly?
1: A- Go ahead, Dad. You know the, uh, the line on the Yeah, name.
2: there was uh, there was when he made that uh, movie starring himself in the uh, the flying irishman um what I had found that uh he made seventy five thousand dollars for uh making that picture, which was more than he would have made as a airplane mechanic in twenty years no, uh, so seventy five grand back then was uh
1: some pretty serious coins so here's my favorite part of the story. this is where we have to end on this one. you know where we're going, Dad. you know where we're going, so yeah uh. Corgan will retire from aviation in 1950 and use the money that he's amassed for himself to buy an 18-acre orange grove in California. Hilariously enough, he didn't know shit about oranges. <laughs> yeah. He just goes, oh, I'll just look at what my neighbor's doing. We'll do figure that. it out as we go. Yeah, yeah he just copycatted, uh,
2: you know, Green Acres is the place for me. <laughs> um, We'll just copycat whatever the neighbors
1: are doing. We'll try to do the same thing. Well, he's a piece of work here because they're, the people – now, you don't get to be in charge of your legacy. That's one thing that you can't really control. People have tried and been guarded about stuff, but there is such a, a – he becomes this folk hero so that around the anniversary of this flight – I think it's the golden anniversary, right, Dad? Yeah, 50th
2: anniversary of his flight. So uh, the, his flight took place in 38, so in, in 88, um, there some aviation club – He's going to die in 95, so he's an old man. Right. Still a little wild behind the eyes, though. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah, Um, This aviation club uh, in California uh, searches him out and and convinces him. Now, he is now an old man. Um, I guess he's in his 80s. Um, His wife had passed on, and his son, tragically, was killed in an airplane crash. So uh, once that happened, uh, he... Kind of became
1: a introvert and kind of a recluse. A recluse, yeah. A recluse would be a better. He doesn't uh, want to inspire term. some kid that might go up in a plane and end up like his son. There, right. You can see some of the psychology. Right. There. So uh, he's um, he's um,
2: becoming a recluse, but um, this aviation club, who's going to have this big celebration of uh, of flight, convinces him to uh, um, participate in this whole thing. So <laughs> they. Uh, he had disassembled his plane and put it into various places. Well, this aviation club was very instrumental in putting the thing back together again. They got the thing to run, but it certainly was not uh, airworthy. It wasn't going to go up in the air at this point. I mean, you're talking about a, an old rattle trap to begin with and now it's 50 years later after it's been disassembled and reassembled but it still turns over but it still turns over (laughs) it still ran and they actually had him get into the thing and they had him taxi around the uh, the airfield, kind of a thing, you know, waving at the crowd for this uh, for this celebration that they had out there. That's cool. Um, they were a little, but they, um, but they, they were, were a little concerned concern. that uh, even at the ripe old age, that uh, this this rascal was going to take off on a thing. So they actually had to secure the reassembled plane, and they
0: uh, <laughs> what, they, they talked it to about the ground?
2: they, they <laughs> talked about tying it off to the police car so that. <laughs> He couldn't jump in and take off in the
1: middle of the night. He's got a little chaos in his eyes still.
2: I don't know Uh, about this. 38. This was uh, in 88, 1988.
0: Okay. So Nicholson will play him in old age. (laughs)
1: Like, I think that's perfect. I think I got one more in me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Chief.
0: I I I do the multiple people playing the same role where it's like you have you show him young getting obsessed with planes and then you have the the majority of it it's like a new actor. You got to get freaking uh him and DiCaprio collaborating again so we'll have collab <laughs> we'll have him acting like a fucking nut job. That'll be fun.
1: Oh man, I love this story. His story is about as good as they come, man. LP, did you have anything you want to say on the way out? Because I think that's pretty much a wrap on. Old No, World that's
2: Life. Uh, pretty much it. He's, uh, you know, um, he's been portrayed in a lot of different uh, things at the time. Like his his legacy, there was a lot of things in in popular culture, especially right after his flight. I mean, in 1938, the Three Stooges ran a, a short. Film that, uh, hey, you know, one of the one of the Stooges says, "Hey, we're doing a Corrigan." In other words, we're heading in the wrong direction. <laughs> there was a uh, Warner Brothers cartoon. Uh, I'm going to leave you to the uh, Animaniacs just to uh, have Kahuna have a jaw a drop too here for the, for a bit. Well, I believe what they
1: the the line was, uh, "What am I? Some sort of a wrong way Corrigan?" It was like <laughs> a, like a mafioso type yeah. character. Oh, in the anime- Yes, uh, pesto. The good feather pigeon
2: expresses. <laughs> he's uh, a good feather. You're gonna like this guy. Yeah, good I know feather. Exactly
0: he expresses
2: what you're outrage about. by exclaiming, "Are you saying that I don't know my directions? That I'm some sort of wrong way Corrigan? And when he pointed at the fact that he's confusing north with west. So oh, yeah, there was. Uh, and you know, Jack Benny, who was a 1930s era comedian, uh, did a whole episode on on Corrigan. So yeah, he he you know was. G- gained acclaim in a lot of different venues. Uh, but and once again, if you're if a whole idea or a concept is named there for you, uh, you probably your are that baby. loser
1: status. <laughs> Not bad for a little Irish boy from Texas, man. This one was a blast. I had a great time. I think uh, I, we got the biggest, most gregarious laugh out of Cahoon I think we've ever gotten. Yeah. That felt good. I'm going to be riding on that for a couple of days. Um, I love doing this show. The old man likes doing the show, uh, Kahuna. I think we're probably one of the more entertaining ones that comes in here.
0: You um, are my favorite.
1: Show. <laughs> we love doing the show. In order to continue doing the show, I will ask you if you're on the fence about whether or not to join the Patreon. When I tell you that all of that money is going to endeavors within this universe that we're playing in, it absolutely is. I don't. We don't. None of this is take-home money. We're not coasting on this. We can't even afford gas money. That's why I had to buy a new Kia Soul so I could get 30 miles to the gallon. <laughs> So for just as little as three bucks a month, you can get the exclusive episode. You want to jump up to the five, we'll send you out some merch. I have some merch I have to send out to a couple of people. We will get on that. I'll make sure that's done when I get back from Texas. That being said, guys, do me a favor, follow me at KP Burke Sucks over on Instagram. At American Loser Podcast over on Instagram. KP Burke over on Facebook. That's where you've seen all the jokes and everything like that. I do test out material on there sometimes. I like to write my dumb little uh, uh witticisms, if you will. We have a great time doing this show. And uh, we want to continue and keep it going. So we're going to go ahead and ask you guys if you can support the show. If you can't afford to do so on the Patreon, share it when it comes out. Talk to people about it. And if you come out to my shows, tell me that you listen to the show. I want to hang out with you, all right? Because there's going to be some jerk off that's telling me like, hey, I got a joke for you, guy. Hey, you ever hear this one? And then he just says some really terribly racist shit. And I'm like, okay, I got to go. Um, but if you listen to the show, man, I'll make time for you, okay? And if you're racist and you listen to the show, join Patreon. So at least I get something out of it, all right? Um Cahoons, anything you want to say on the way out? Oh, man. This was just—this is honest. Like,
0: I say that every time we have a really good episode, but, like, this this is going to be one of those ones that I'll, like, remember, remember for, for oh, a Oh, he's, he's wrong
1: way Corrigan, baby. Yeah. He's as like, fun as they get.
2: He's right up there with Emperor Norton, I think. <laughs>
1: Truly. I, oh, man. This was a fucking blast. Uh, someday I'd like to do the Island of Misfit Losers, and it's just all of them interacting with one another. <laughs> I think that would be very Yes. Fun. But again, we can't do stuff like that unless we have a little bit of money to play around with. And that's where the Patreon comes in, folks. So you guys who are over there at the Founding Losers, means means a lot to me. If you're listening to the show casually, it means a lot to me. If you can help us out, please do so. If not, we totally get it. But guys, that was Wrong Way Corrigan, American Loser.
0: An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born can lose her the day i was born